Welcome to Silly History, I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. I am the first in the East, the first in the West, and the greatest philosopher in the Western world. That is what Lord Timothy Dexter proclaimed of himself. He wasn't even a lord for that matter, but that didn't stop him from bestowing the great title upon himself. Born of humble origins in Malden, Massachusetts, he was obsessed with becoming a distinguished member of the upper class. Little Timmy dropped out of school when he was eight to work at a farm, and as a teenager, he became a leather tanner's apprentice. When he was 22, he married a rich young widow, and with her money, he purchased a mansion in Newburyport. His eccentric hubris put him at odds with the social elite, but that never stopped him from trying to become one of them. He figured wealth was his only way to the top, and so he never shied away from a chance to make money, even when they appeared to be the most ridiculous ventures. Granted, he was wholly unaware that they were often foolhardy recommendations given by peers who sought his financial ruin. But much to everyone's chagrin, he always made a profit, and always from pure coincidence. It all started when the Revolutionary War came to an end. Dexter essentially bet against the market and spent all of his and his wife's money on continental currency, an idiotic move given that it was all but worthless. And yet, in a surprising turn of events, the state and federal governments made good on the notes, offering to exchange them for treasury bonds at 1% face value. Almost instantly, Dexter became a very wealthy man, wealthier than he had ever been before. He subsequently paid for the building of two merchant ships and started an export business to Europe and the West Indies. The Newburyport elites wouldn't stand for an illiterate fool gracing high society. One rival suggested that Dexter purchase bedwarmers, metal pots in which hot coals were placed and shoved under the bedsheets to keep occupants warm during the cold New England nights and export them to, of all places, the hot and sunny West Indies. Brilliant idea, he thought. Quickly, Dexter purchased thousands and shipped them down in his gleaming new ships. What Dexter's rival didn't anticipate was the ship's captain selling the warmers at a premium to the local molasses industry, where they were repurposed as ladles. So much for killing off the competition. For his next venture, he exported woolen mittens, which he also shipped down to the Caribbean. They were picked up by passing merchants on their way to Siberia. Another peer suggested that he could make a killing in the coal market shipping the cargo overseas and selling it to the town of Newcastle, Britain. Another great idea, Dexter thought, except he had no idea that Newcastle was the largest coal mining town in all of the country. Certainly, he would lose a fortune from this endeavor, or so they thought. But as fate would have it, when his cargo reached the shores of the old world, there just happened to be a miner's strike. Dexter's coal was sold at a premium, and once again, the silly little man made money off of a phony recommendation. This wasn't the last of his outlandish dealings. When he discovered a surplus of Bibles, he shipped them to the East Indies, where Christian missionaries were lacking copies for distribution. Back home in Newburyport, the town became overrun with stray cats. The locals failed to pass a motion to destroy the feral felines. 
So Dexter, who by this time had dubbed himself Lord Timothy, offered to buy every last one of them. He hauled them down to his favorite trade destination, the Caribbean, and sold them to local businesses for eliminating their surging rat infestation. And a seemingly unusable hoard of whalebone ended up being sold to the French fashion industry. How could someone so uneducated and vainglorious win so big so often? Dexter had all the money he needed, and still, he couldn't convince the upper class to accept him. He had done everything he could to show off his wealth. Around the grounds of his mansion, he erected 40 life-sized wooden statues of famous and influential men, including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Napoleon Bonaparte. One statue, of course, was of his own likeness, inscribed with the boastful statement I quoted at the beginning of this episode. When that wasn't enough to garner love from the community, he wrote a 32-page book titled A Pickle for the Knowing Ones, in which he grumbled and moaned about politicians, the clergy, and his wife. It was a true showcase of Dexter's unintelligence and arrogance. He used zero punctuation. Words were spelled and capitalized in random and unusual ways. After readers complained, Dexter published a second edition, completely unchanged, except for the addition of one page at the end of the book. It contained 11 lines of punctuation marks and instructions for printers and readers to insert the marks wherever they wanted. In his words, they may pepper and salt it as they please. They replaces the letter E with an A. Pepper is missing a P. Salt replaces the A with an O. And please is missing the A. As a final last-ditch effort to get his neighbors to love and respect him, he staged a funeral for himself, tricking around 3,000 people to show up. Attendees only discovered the ruse when they heard him beating his wife with a cane because he didn't believe she was crying enough over his fake absence. Not long after, Lord Timothy Dexter passed away in 1806, still wealthy and only loved by his own self. An eccentric fool who made a fortune from some of the most oddball business ventures. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, silly history story. This show is a Night Owl production.